Hi, I'm Dennis Levick. This is my lovely wife, Tracy. Hi, I'm John Rudnick. We're Barry and Anita Chenault. My name's Edward Devlin. My name is Rosalie Devlin. Hi, we are Brent and Sheila Howell. My name is Matt Leisman. Hi, my name is Hannah Rollins. My name is Chad Peterson. We were able to spend a year at Coastal Chesapeake with the First Impressions team. When we were trying to decide if we were going to go to Chesapeake or not, I mean, we did spend quite a bit of time praying. We would spend time in the car. Uh, we drove over, sat in the parking lot, and we, we prayed there. It was just part of our daily prayer, and we continued to pray well, through Chesapeake and serving in the First Impressions. We prayed a lot about what was going on there and, and hoping to grow and just seeing how things went. We want to reach people, and there are lost and hurting and lonely and broken people everywhere. And so if we can join together and pray for those campuses, we don't know where God might lead us. So to see that campus grow, even just while we were there, there were new families that were coming and people were committing their membership. There were children, the children's area was growing. And I know that that will continue. And just that mix of people that God brought together to, to start it and to kick it off. I'm just so, it was such a privilege to be part of that. And I'm so overwhelmed that we got to be there. And every time that we hear about Coastal Chesapeake and we see our friends, we're excited. We're so excited about what God is doing there and we know that He's going to continue it. Amen. Well, welcome again. It's good to see you. Glad to have you here. I, we are continuing our way through the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that's in Matthew chapter 6. So if you want to find your way there, pull out your bulletin and take your notes. It's a great uh, prep for your small group. I know our small groups are all uh, up and running now, so uh, I hope you are part of one. And if you are not yet, grab a Grow booklet that's out on the table as you exit this room uh, on the right there, you can still get in one. We've got seven more weeks of this season of small group. They would love to have you come. Uh, so look up where is most convenient for you. There's a bunch of them. You don't necessarily have to go to a Hampton-specific small group. Uh, all the small groups are dealing with the same text, so everybody's going to talk about Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10 this coming week uh, as they go to their small groups. So you will uh, be able to participate. Uh, just take your notes on your bulletin. It's a great, great resource for you. Listen, I need to give you a couple other things to think about. So this afternoon, in about an hour, we're going to uh, commence We Are Coastal here at our campus. It took place uh, at uh, Gloucester and at Yorktown last evening, and today it is here and at Chesapeake. And if you are not yet a member of Coastal, I think I can say just stay and uh, you can have my lunch if we don't have enough, all right? We're good to go, but we would love to have you. It's the place you go to find out everything you need to make an informed decision about being an actual member, a part of the Coastal family. We would love to have you come. So uh, stick around, but noon, I think we have eight people signed up already, so I'm really, really happy about that. Uh, ladies, this Saturday, don't forget your uh, brunch is happening, 10.30 to noon. You can still get on the list out here in the foyer and uh, make sure you get them uh, your information. 
one other thing as far as upcoming events, if you are interested in biblical counseling, that is being trained to become a biblical counselor. We are working at expanding across coastal the number of people that are effectively trained to do that. We are starting a training that's going to last a year. It's a monthly meeting. Uh, it begins, I think, Monday night of next week. And uh, so, uh, not tomorrow, the following week. So you can get information, gocoastal.org forward slash events. It'll be there. It's called Change That Sticks. And uh, there's a little cost involved, but I think it'll be a great, great opportunity for you. And then one final thing before I jump in uh, to the message here. I know many, many, many of you have been praying uh, for another of our campuses, our Gloucester campus. Uh, it has been a long time coming, but the, finally the loan actually closed yesterday or Friday. I know, I'm so excited. Uh, that's such good news. So continue to pray because there's been a delay on the actual delivery of the building. They're working on the land. They're getting all the site work done and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so continue to pray. They are just bursting at the seams up there. And uh, they, Pastor Nate would love to have our auditorium uh, so that he can have two services again. But they are in three, and so they are in service number three right now. And uh, it's, uh, it's a busy time. So continue to pray for the progress on that. All right? Listen, let me ask you a question. As we continue in this study, it's, I, I don't want us to approach the Lord's Prayer as just learning this thing, right? I mean, Jesus gave this model prayer actually to avoid repetitious prayer, right? So this is not repetitious. I think we can say any prayer repetitiously. And Jesus was saying, I don't want you to do that. Here are the ways I want you to pray. This is how I want you to pray, not what specifically. But I want to ask you a question as it relates to your prayer life. And, and this somebody challenged me with this question this week. If everything you prayed for this past week, think through the things you prayed for, was accomplished, if God answered every prayer you prayed, what would be different in the world? Would there be revival happening at Coastal? Would there be uh, friends and neighbors of yours coming to faith in Jesus? Or would your cold go away and the weather be nicer and your Big Mac and fries be blessed? What kind of prayers are we praying? That's my question. That's my challenge as I think through this business of the Lord's Prayer and, and praying kingdom-sized prayers. That's what today is about. We're talking about praying for God's will, but we are talking about praying for God's kingdom to grow and expand are our prayers characterized by that kind of magnitude? Are we praying for, for kingdom issues? We have to pray for some of those other things, right? If someone's not feeling well, we want to pray that they'll get better. We certainly want to be thankful for our food. All of those things are good, but what I don't want to get in the habit of is doing the the everyday things and forgetting to pray kingdom prayer. So that's what today is about. So as we think this through, uh, let's Let's focus on that. We saw last week that God-honoring, biblically-informed prayers begin with an attitude of worship. They begin with us looking at the holy, awesome God of the universe and enjoying the fact that we get to have a relationship with Him. It's an incredible thing, right, that we would be able to 
plead that the name of God would be viewed as holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What, it's just an incredible phrase. We unpacked that last week. And today I want to take just the next verse. Verse 10 says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to talk about those phrases because there, again, is so much in this that I think is really significant. But how do they intersect with daily life? So when we pray your kingdom come, I believe we're praying about the issue of submission. We are deciding who's in charge. We are acknowledging who's the boss, right? We are, we are making sure that we have ourselves under the authority of God and that we submit to that. It's a prayer desiring, I think, two things. The first is that God's reign be acknowledged. To be clear, I don't think God's reign is universally acknowledged in the world today. Do you think? Uh, it doesn't seem that way to me. There are people, there are millions of people across the globe who have bowed the knee to God, who have bowed the knee to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Many, many people have done that. Many more have not. And many live in open rebellion against God. They do not acknowledge his reign. So let's talk a little about God's kingdom. Can we do that? Because I think sometimes we look at a kingdom or a monarchy as a geographical kind of thing, right? So we know that certain Arab nations are, are kingdoms and they have, a, they have a king that runs them. And, and the queen of England, the queen over the British Empire just passed away and now they have a king. And so we, we picture a geographical location. God's kingdom, of course, is different than that. God's kingdom is not uh, just uh, only over one particular kingdom. God is king over the earth. He created everything. He owns it. He rules it. So what are we praying for when we pray for God's kingdom to come? See, I think God's kingdom began to a certain degree when he made Adam and Eve, when he made mankind, and they walked with God in the cool of the day. They had not yet sinned. And they walked with God. Can you just even imagine such an intimacy of relationship that they just walked together in this amazing garden that God had made and put them in? And I think it continued in the fourth chapter of Genesis when, when after Seth was born, we're told men began to call on the name of the Lord. And it continued yet again with Enoch, who in distinction from apparently most everyone around him, walked with God. And rather than dying when it came time for him to leave this life, the scriptures tell us God just took him. I've often wondered if it wasn't kind of a God and Enoch were walking together day after day after day. It was said of Enoch, he walked with God. That's what was known of him. Almost as if one day God said, you know what, Enoch, we're closer to my place than yours. Why don't we just go there today? And God took him home. He took him. What an incredible thing to have that kind of intimacy with the Father in heaven. But of course, in the Old Testament and throughout much of the Old Testament, the kingdom of God was focused and concentrated on the nation of Israel, God's people. It was intended to be a theocracy 
ruled by God, people who would submit themselves to the name and fame of God, and they were to spread that name and fame throughout the nations. We get to the New Testament, and Jesus comes announcing that the kingdom of God is upon you. In one sense, it was brought in greater fulfillment because Jesus came and brought his kingdom to us, and it will be consummated in its final form yet in the future. But how are we praying? What are we praying for when we pray for God's kingdom to come? I think it's submission. I think it's our willingness, our desire, our our submitting ourselves under the rule and authority of God. I think it's us praying for those who are around us to do the same thing, to make sure that they are submitting themselves to the rule of God. And we're going to come back around in just a minute and talk about that because you don't just kind of randomly say, okay, well then I'll accept that God's in charge. And it's a little funny, right, to say, okay, well, I'll accept that God's in charge because he is, whether we accept it or not, right? Our prayer for your kingdom to come is a prayer that his reign will be acknowledged, though. And secondly, I think praying for God's kingdom to come is a prayer that desires God's values to be prioritized. The things that are important to God, one of them, perhaps the first, is conversion. That's how we get into the kingdom, Right? We, don't, we don't get into the kingdom by becoming a citizen of something else. We, we, we trust in Jesus. We repent of our sin and we believe in the gospel. That Jesus, who is God, came to earth and lived the perfect life we could never live and died on the cross and was buried in that tomb and on the third day came back to life again. We sang about it, right? It's a little hard to imagine not being excited when we sing about stuff like that. Here's, here's this incredible truth in song and It's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus, God the Son, came to earth, lived for us, died for us, rose again, conquering death, the ultimate enemy. So we repent of our sin, we believe in the gospel, and we receive Christ. To as many as received him, the Bible says, God gave them authority to become children of God. And Jesus came announcing that. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14 has, shows Jesus announcing these truths to the people he is speaking to. Verse 14, he said, It's after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So we get into the kingdom through conversion. And God's priorities are, we begin there. Secondly, God's priorities are different than ours in that it requires that we understand what sacrifice means. Man, Matthew chapter 13 is in the middle of a series of parables that Jesus has been talking about. It's very interesting. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered back up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant 
in search of fine pearls, who, upon finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Do you think in the parables, and of course they're parables, they're stories that are designed to teach a lesson, do you think that in those parables, either of those people would have thought, boy, what a sacrifice I've made for this. No, of course not. What they were teaching, those parables were teaching us that the kingdom of God is of such incredible value that it is worth far more than everything we have. It's not a matter of sacrifice. It's not a point of, man, Jesus sacrificed so much for you, the least you can do is give a tithe at church, right? That, that's not, it's not a guilt trip. It's an issue of learning what are the priorities of God. His kingdom is worth more than anything else to us. That's having the kind of sacrificial attitude that God intends. That's why when I invite you to be faithful in corporate worship, when I encourage you to be part of a small group, when I, when I encourage you to give generously to the work of God, to serve in ministry, to engage with your family and your friends and your neighbors about their, their soul, it's because our participation in the kingdom of God is worth it. Everything that we could do to serve is worth it. That's having kingdom values prioritized. And the third thing, I think, is evangelism. If we really believe it's as valuable as it is, if we have been willing to say, everything I have belongs to God because it's worth giving it all away for the sake of the kingdom, if that's true, when, why wouldn't we want everybody we can get to come with us and join that kingdom. That's talking about evangelism. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he went back to heaven was, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you to the end of the age, always with you. Evangelism. Now we're going to spend some time after we finish this part of our series and open door. We're going to move into a series on evangelism and, and we're going to spend a whole week talking about those verses. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time in there. But I do want to say it is our great privilege, incredible privilege for us to invite people to join us in God's kingdom. That's what evangelism is about. It's not trying to find some poor schmuck that's a worthless sinner and drag him kicking. There's none of that attitude, right? It's finding people who we want to join us in the kingdom of God. We have found joy and fulfillment as we've submitted ourselves and bowed the knee to the king. We want them to enjoy the same thing, right? It's such a positive thing. Here's what it's going to look like at the end. I, I love this picture, Revelation chapter 7. John is talking about the vision that he had, and he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, and from 
all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's, I mean, picture that scene. Imagine what it's going to be like to have people from every tribe and tongue and nation all together, one in Christ, offering our praise to the King. That's amazing, right? It's what church is supposed to be on Sunday morning. So if you come in here and you just kind of want to be quiet and, and there's something about heaven that I don't think is going to be quiet, right? I realize we don't have everybody from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and it is not crowded in here. And I realize the, the mass of the crowd helps us be a little more excited sometimes. But man, let's think about what we're doing. This is dress rehearsal for heaven when we show up to church. It's why I love when we have people from various tribes and even tongues and nations represented in our church family. It's such a healthy thing because it's what it's going to be like in heaven. Oh God, we pray that your kingdom would come. The second part of it is that your will would be done. When Luke writes it, he puts it just a little bit more succinctly. He says, as in heaven, so on earth. How is the will of God done in heaven? Because we're talking about obedience here. Submission has to do with putting ourselves under the authority of someone, but obedience is the practical stuff. That's the day-to-day. -day. Here's what I'm supposed to do. I need to do this. And it comes as a, as a result of my submission. Obedience comes because I acknowledge I am submitted to the king of kings, and I'm going to, as a result of that submission, walk out in daily life his will. We have faint pictures in the scriptures, but we have sufficient to know that it is characteristic of heaven, that everyone and everything is waiting on God and anxious to glorify and magnify his name. It, heaven is consumed with that. I am too often consumed with other things in my life. I know, we have to get up and go to work. I get it. We have to do our job. We have to support our families. We have to care for our health. We have to do a lot of things. But what's the first thing we do? How do we approach our day? Is it with an attitude that says, oh God, I want to do your will today as it's done in heaven? Willingly, joyfully, completely, immediately, I don't have young children in my home anymore. They're all, they're all grown. But when they were little, one of the things I tried to teach them was, if I ask you to do something, I don't mean tomorrow, right? I suspect you're the same. When you say, please go do this, you don't mean whenever you feel like it and get around to it. I mean, go do this. Do I do the will of God that way? Am I willing? Am I joyful about it? Now, listen, some people are like, yeah, but if I can't be joyful, I'm just being a hypocrite. So I, you know, listen, then do it hypocritically. God's, God wants you to be joyful, but he wants your obedience 
more than he does you to be happy about it. I, when I was a kid, one of my tasks, uh, we lived, my dad was a pastor. We lived in a church parsonage and, and across the parking lot from the church. And so we put our trash in the church's dumpster. My, that was my job. Go take the trash to the dumpster. Now, I could have tried saying to my dad, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I can't do that with joy. My heart's not in it. So I probably shouldn't do it. And he just said, well, you're going to do it anyway, because I told you to do something and you need to go do it. So the joyful part is on me. The obedience part is what God expects, right? You can be joyful and do what God has asked, or you can be grumpy and do what God has asked. Willing, joyful, complete obedience. That's how it's done in heaven, so on earth. So how do we discern that? I'm not going to do a long extended thing about how to, to discern the will of God, but I can tell you this, it comes mostly from practice. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that's the process of learning and growing, right? It's why we are faithful in church attendance. It's why we participate in a small group, because we want our minds to be renewed so that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what we do as we renew our minds. We discern what to pray for. We discern what to do as we pray from Romans 12. Oh God, let me not be conformed to the world. Let me be transformed so I can learn to discern your will. It's a matter of practice. We learn how to discern what God wants by doing what God wants. Don't be conformed, be transformed. Test it, prove its validity. This is how Paul worded it to the Philippians. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to work uh, to will and to work for his good pleasure. Not work for your salvation, work out your salvation. You've trusted in Jesus, you've, you've repented of your sin, you've believed in the gospel, you've received Christ, now work that out. It's a process, it's a practice, it's something we learn and grow in. So let me give you a couple of thoughts as we start winding down. First is this, are you part of God's kingdom? Have you repented of your sin, believed in the gospel, received Christ? Are you part of God's kingdom? That's the only way in is through conversion. If that's not true of you, man, I would love to talk to you. We have people who would love to sit down with you and show you from the scriptures, from God's word, how you can know your sins are forgiven. You're rightly related to God and you're on your way to heaven. Secondly, how do you 
demonstrate kingdom values. So look at your life, do a little review, and try and figure that out. How exactly am I demonstrating that God's kingdom is worth more than anything else to me? If other people were to talk to me and see what I'm doing in my life, would they be inclined to think that the things of God are important to me? And then thirdly, are you being obedient? Are there things you should be doing that you're not? Are there things you shouldn't be doing that you are? That's what the Holy Spirit's there for, right? He, he nudges us. He pokes at us to remind us. He uh, enlivens our conscience and gives us the opportunity to turn from that which we should or should, what we should not be doing to that which we should. I'm going to uh, do something again just a little different this morning. The team will be up here when we're done, but I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want to lead you in a time of prayer for you quietly, just kind of at your seat there, to pray through a couple of things that to me come from this, and I want to give you an opportunity between you and the Lord to take care of that right now before you leave this place today, and then uh, when we're done, the team will come, the team will uh, lead us as we sing and close. So uh, as you're praying to yourself there, I want you to pray that God's kingdom would come. You don't have to pray out loud. I just mean privately to yourself. Take a moment to again submit yourself to God's kingship over you. He is your Lord. He is your ruler. And then perhaps as you're praying, pray for someone that you know that isn't yet a part of God's kingdom, that uh, perhaps they might find repentance and belief in the gospel, and that they would receive Christ, and pray that God will allow you to be part of that process, to share Christ with them, to encourage them along on their, their spiritual journey. So pray for God's kingdom to come. And secondly, as you're praying, I want you to pray for God's will to be done. Perhaps that'll need a little time of confession here briefly, that you'll want to talk to God about uh, some area that you're struggling with that you need to hand over to him again, that you need to confess to him, or maybe some sin you can't shake or some piece of obedience, something you know you should be doing and you're not. And you're just going to deal with the obedience thing. Oh, God, I want your kingdom to come, and I want your will to be done, and I want that to start in my life. And then just take a moment and thank God for the reality that his plan and program will be fulfilled. He delights in using you to accomplish that as part of your local church. The local church is God's mode of operation today. In this season in world history, in this season in the history of God's kingdom, he's using the local church, and you are part of that. So thank God for the opportunity you have to be part of something that is way beyond you, that is way beyond us. It's a great opportunity for us to serve God together. Amen? Father in heaven, I thank you for these words that are so familiar to us, we almost uh, recite them without needing to think much about them. So I'm asking today, God, that your kingdom would come, that 
that I and my brothers and sisters here would be sure to regularly return to bowing the knee to you. And I pray for those around us. I pray for those in our community who have not yet bowed a knee. Lord, would you grant us grace as we seek to discern how we can reach them with the truth of the gospel so they can too be part of your kingdom. And then Lord, we want your will to be done. We want your will to be done in our lives we want your will to be done around us, and we know that's going to happen when people submit to God. So, Lord, help us to, to model that for our friends. And may we be people who are obedient, not because we hope to earn something, but because your kingdom is worth any sacrifice. We're grateful for all you've accomplished for us through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.